Welcome to the Family OS Podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're obsessed with creating the family life we desire, and we call it the Family Operating System. Join us each week to learn how to improve communication, be in control of your future, and love life. Welcome to the Family OS Podcast. My name is Kate Wendell, and I am so honored to have my guest today, Trisha Wilkinson, uh, who's really just becoming such a dear friend of mine. We've gotten connected to this wonderful mastermind group uh, through Adventure Reach, uh, and, and, our, and our friendship has just developed from there. But what's also wonderful is we're parents, and we're, we're working at figuring out how to communicate better with our kids and raise our kids well. And uh, we're, we're in this together. So I'm really honored to have Trish here for uh, this week's episode. Uh, Trisha, uh, Trish is the co-author of Brain Stages, How to Raise Smart, Confident Kids and Have Fun Doing It. She is also the mother of two children. She taught elementary and middle school for more than 23 years. And she's a total science nerd, which I think is so awesome. And you're keeping up with the latest brain research because studies continually confirm her brain stages thrive framework. Trish developed effective practical tools to raise her own children who suffered with attention, anxiety, auditory processing challenges, and raise them into successful adults. With these tools, she's given hundreds of students a solid academic, social, and emotional foundation. Trish also now coaches parents and facilitates life-changing workshops and courses for parents and professionals to help children thrive in a very complicated world. So Trish, thank you for being here on this week's episode of the Family OS Podcast. How are you? I'm, I'm great, and I'm excited to be here. And before we go any further, I want to be clear that it's not that I think of, oh, I'm just the expert and I just know so much more than everyone else. I've done a ton of research, but I've done all this research because my kids, you know, I thought raising kids would be easy because <laughs> I had already taught, you know, I had already taught preschool while I was going through college and I had taught several grades in elementary school by the time our kids came along. And I thought, oh, I know kids, this will be a piece of cake. Right. And turns out not, not so much. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know my kids were going to have these challenges. Why? I have no idea because the things that they, you know, struggled with were, were hereditary things on both sides of the family. So you would think, you know, and I have attention issues. Apples come from apple trees, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. it was, but because of that, my older daughter in particular pushed my buttons in a certain way. So one of the first things I do with parents when I work with them is help them manage their own emotions. Cause you know how our kids are doing something. We love them to pieces, but they do something that just, you know, triggers us to the point where we just, you know, some people, their teeth grit, others, yeah. are, you know, or the jaws tighten other ones. Like for me, my breath catches and, and, you know, it's just kind of like, <clears throat> And, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and so I teach parents to notice whatever that trigger is, because we all what's really cool about our bodies is in our brainstem that leads to the spinal cord. We get a trigger, a physical trigger before our brain registers that we're upset. So it's this golden, you know, split second opportunity that if we recognize that we can stop it in its tracks 
And I have this little reboot brain reboot thing I do with parents so that they can reboot their brains before they go crazy so they can respond instead of react. Because yeah. I am sure I'm not the only one listening here who has, you know, or the only one in this audience who has done done or said something that we've regretted with our kids yeah. because we're human. But yeah. if we have a way to do, do this quick brain reboot so we can, you know, just, okay, I can, I can do this. You know, yeah. do you want to know what it is real quick? I mean, yeah, I should, well, I, it goes way and it goes way more when I do one-on-one coaching or in the digital course, but I could do a really quick thing that yeah. can help people just let's yeah. You know what? Let's just dive right in because this is something that uh, Tanner and I both also work with, you know, in working with couples um, and what I work with moms is like, we have to start to register, recognize what's happening within ourselves first because our kids are learning their behavior. I mean, there's there's certainly outside forces and things and genetics and whatnot, but they're also learning how to behave and how to respond or slash react, because there's a difference, um, based on how we're responding and reacting. So the fact that as a parent, we could say, okay, I'm gonna get myself in check first, then be able to handle the child and and what need, you know, their needs. I mean, it makes the whole situation so much better. So yeah, let's just dive right in and uh, share those, those simple steps that parents can do um, to reboot themselves so they can respond better with their children. Well, there's there's more involved, like figuring out where there's those feelings come from. And if you don't, yes. if you're listening and you don't know what that physical trigger is, whatever your body does to warn you that you're about to, you know, have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you're about to kind of lose your, you know, lose your cool a little bit. I'm because we're talking about it, they'll probably recognize it in the next few days, just because right. they'll be a ten, you know, they'll be conscious of it. Like, oh, there it is. Wow. My jaw just got tight or, or I got butterflies in my stomach or my fists are clenched or whatever. I mean, happened. because yeah, for me, like, I actually want to scream. Like I actually feel like an internal physical bubble that makes me want to scream. And so I have to really control myself because if I don't want my kids to be yellers and screamers and fighters that way, like I can't, I cannot respond that way. So, um, yeah. So, and I like, yeah, I feel a physical internal bubble that just wants to come out in a big scream. So it can look all in all different kinds of ways of what that, what that, you know, reaction is. Well, and I'm really glad that you shared that example because I'm sure you're not the only one, (laughs) you know, and and like you say, we are the pilots of this airplane. Yeah. So, you know, RK and I love my um, husband used to say, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are speaking too loudly. (laughs) And that's true. If if we are not, I mean, we are the pilots of the airplane. And if we are not doing what we want our kids to do, they're not going to do, you know, like the first time my daughter said something really disrespectful to me, I thought, where did she get that? I mean, I would never talk to kids like that. And then I realized, oh, that's what she construed from this thing that I said, mm-hmm. which is where the reboot process came from, because I lost it with her and thought I cannot lose it with my child again like this, because that's what she's going to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she did for a while. I mean, this this is a process. So it's not out of 
you know, oh, I just have done all this studying and I know these things. A lot of this is trial and error. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that's just, you know, with with learning from experts, they're great, right? You know, real real parents giving real solutions or experts and what they've studied and schooling and all that, like all of that is great. And when we listen to it, we're like, okay, this is, I mean, I follow up so many different parenting people, including yourself, right? Like the, of just, you know, how to be able to interact with my children better, how to teach them, how to communicate with them, how to um, help them be emotionally sound, you know? So I, I have all these different resources. And at the end of the day, we have to take what we're, what we're hearing and say, okay, how does this apply to my child, my household? Because not everything is going to work exactly the way it's described. But if you can take the nuggets and say, okay, here's what I'm going to work on and implement. And you might just find a slight variation of what you've learned and be able to implement it where it actually works with your children. So just, you know, listen to what we're, what we're offering today and say, okay, here's what I'm going to work on and, and, and practice and just implement and then see where just because if it doesn't work once doesn't mean that it won't work you just might need to make some tweaks or the repetition the repetition is really important as well so that these kids you know they learn like hey this is how it's going to go down now right we've got to have the repetition and parents right. i think sometimes give up a little bit too easily be like oh hands up didn't work <laughs> and we, when we gotta right we gotta keep going and keep doing it it's yeah. Well, because like you say, it takes practice. And this mm -hmm. process that I'm going to tell you real quick is it does take practice. So the first thing that happens is you recognize whatever that physical warning is that your body gives you. I mean, it's kind of a gift that your body registers whatever's going on before your brain says, ah, I'm upset. <laughs> so when you're, when your body gives you that feeling if you can immediately stop yourself and take a deep yoga breath, like breathe in two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, and think of a physical anchor. And the reason I say, so a physical part of your body, cause you carry your body wherever you go. Like for me, it's my feet. Cause I'm tall. I can feel my feet on the floor, whether I'm standing or I'm sitting. So I focus on my feet. I have a parent that I coach who is very small. <laughs> and so she can't feel her feet on the floor all the time when she's sitting. <laughs> so she focuses on her hands, on her thighs. She purposely puts her hands on her thighs. Um, I have another parent whose shoulders just get really tight all of a sudden. And so she focuses on that breath and thinking of her shoulders and relaxing them. So whatever the physical anchor is, it doesn't matter. And if people want to just choose something real quick while we practice this, pick a part of your body. If that one doesn't work, try another one later. <laughs> right? right. But so breathe in, breathe out and think of your physical anchor. And the reason you do that is because when that trigger happens, your brain is right in the limbic system, which are the emotion centers of your brain. Your, your amygdala is going danger, 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 <laughs> right? And you need to get out of the emotion centers of your brain into the prefrontal cortex for thinking. Right. So into that front, forward, front. Yeah. right, which is the front of your brain. It's that part of your brain where you can actually think. When you're in the limbic system, you're in fight, flight, or flee. 
And, and a lot of parents, especially when they have teenagers, they flee. They just walk out of the room. But that doesn't work for a teenager because if you just walk out, they feel abandoned. Right. And and like you don't care about what they're saying. And that's not it at all. You're trying not to blow up at them. Right. 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 So if you and, that, and just and just for context, too, so people understand that fight, flight or freeze is in the back of your base. It's like the base of your skull. Actually, actually no. No, it's, it's not. Okay. No, the limbic system is in the temporal lobes. So it's deep in the temporal lobe. So your temporal lobes are on the side. Okay. It's deep toward the bottom of your temporal lobes, but not quite into the brain stem or the cerebellum. Okay. So it's so the sides of your brain are your temporal lobes. So frontal lobes in the front, parietal lobes on parietal lobes and temporal lobes are on the side. And on the temporal lobes toward toward the bottom, that's deep inside is where the limbic system is. So it's where the hip hippocampus is kind of wrapped around the amygdala. So hippocampus is long-term memory and the hippocampus, I mean, and the amygdala is inside of that. And that's your fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. So what happens is, so it's, it's kind of near the brainstem. So the brainstem gives the message first, your brain is, you're getting, um, you're getting hormone secretions that are like, okay, we're upset. And your brain's all about safety. So your brain thinks it's just making you safe, but it's not that it's making you safe. And usually those triggers that happen with our kids, we go more into that in the digital course to figure out where it comes from. But those triggers come from a specific, you know, specific experiences when we're kids or or just earlier, usually before our own children are even born. Yeah. And and it so that's why it triggers something. It triggers a safety. Like for me, I realized um, I had a respect issue because when I was little, I didn't feel like I was respected from my parents, my siblings, friends, because I was what they called scatterbrained. Well, we didn't know as much about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which I hate that term because I'm neither deficient nor disordered. And I work <laughs> with lots of kids who have focusing issues and they are not disordered either. They just, right. our brains work differently. And yeah. if you can work with our brains the way they function, then we can do amazing things. Right. In fact, a lot of inventors, a lot of scientists, a yeah. lot of amazing people have had attention issues. Yeah. So, so the point is, is that our brains just work differently. Well, I didn't know that. And I had issues with my own, you know, issues with people not respecting me. So when my daughter would say something just outlandish that I couldn't even believe she would say to me, to an adult, to her mother, and I would just, you know, it would trigger me. And I might go off and be the bad example, right? I was no longer the adult in the room. I was that kid who was being disrespect, disrespected and really upset. Yeah. So, so, so what's the, the next step that they can do once they're recognizing right. so that they emotion? Take it, so they take a deep breath and focus on their, um, and focus on whatever they've chosen for a physical anchor and then come up with a positive short sentence or phrase. And it has to be short or you won't use it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, it's, I can do this. Um, I have lots of parents that say, I got this, which is almost the same, but it's just more, you know, it works better for them. I got this. I have another one that says, I deserve peace. Another one says, I'm okay. Um, because we all have different, you know, issues from our background, whatever that might be. So just for now, pick a quick phrase and it doesn't matter what it is. You can choose one of the examples or 
you know, something different. Do you have an idea of what you might say? I would say I am calm. Okay. I am calm. There you go. Calm. So you take a deep breath. Think of your physical anchor. Exhale. And you say, I am calm. Exactly. And how long did that take? Like 10 seconds. Yeah. You do have to take a couple more deep breaths before you talk to your kids, because what happens is cortisol gets a reputation for causing the emotion, but it's actually other hormones that that release and then cortisol stops the reaction. So so it takes 90 seconds for the cortisol to work through the brain and reset all of the hormones. But what you've done by that physical anchor is you've moved your brain, your thought processes from the emotion centers into the frontal lobes for thinking. So you've already given it a head start because you've put your mind in the room instead of focusing on the emotions. Does that make sense? It does. And I, this is something one now in marriage, because I didn't quite um, have the resources at the time when I was still single to really explore this. But uh, once Tanner and I got married, married and blending know, two people, different upbringings, different experiences into one household. Like we really had to work through our crap basically in order to find, you know, a healthy environment within our household. And, you know, many couples don't do that. And so it, it, it creates this tension and butting heads with your spouse and then it trickles down into the children. And so what what we're what we're aiming for is for for parents to understand that we all have those anchors and experiences from our past, like and from our childhood. Doesn't some some are very very tragic and very severe and some maybe just very small small situations but somehow have had hit have hit home for us right so it doesn't matter we're not in a in a comparison game what we want to focus on is that everyone's got something from their past from their childhood that puts us into that reactionary mode of fight, flight, or freeze. And and when things get really stressful and tense, we all resort back to that because like you said, our brain is ancient in how it's developed and and we wanna go to safety. So we're all like that. We're all sort of wired that way. What we want to do though is help parents realize that one, you can work on releasing that stuff from childhood, right? Find, find resources to do that and know that you, you can control how you respond in a current situation and to be able to make change for the future. And the, you know, just this simple thing can help start to change that pattern and change the trajectory of how you're, how you're interacting with your kids. And quite frankly, it'll work with your spouse too, or anyone that's getting you upset. I was just, I was just going to say, that's one of the things I, that's one of the things I talk about with parents too. You learn this for your kids because we're willing to do things for kids, for our kids that we're not necessarily willing to do for ourselves. Isn't that true? So we learn this. So we learn this quick process, breathe in, breathe out physical anchor. I think of my feet and I can do this. You know, I mean, it's, it's so quick and seems so simple. And yet we don't necessarily take the time to do it because we're busy. We're frantic. We have all these things to do and we have a hard time slowing down so we can speed up. And it's really important to take that time. It's only a few seconds, a couple more breaths 
It gets you back into what you're doing with your kids. And you're right. I used to use it once I discovered this. Uh, it helped so much in my relationship with my husband now of almost 36 years. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I still like him. Anyway, I mean, I love him. I think lo the love part is the easy part because you love them. You love the core of who they are. But, you know, sometimes you're irritated yeah. and you're not sure you still like them. But I really I really still like him a lot um, anyway. But but the point is, is that this little process was also really helpful in being able to deal with him and teaching your kids this little process, this little, before they get all of the baggage that we develop as kids and teenagers or whatever, if we teach them then them this quick process, it's such a gift for kids because they learn how to manage their own emotions. And yes. when they can recognize their trigger and just manage their emotions like that, I mean, what a gift. Yeah. And the other thing I'd like to point out for, for the parents listening is that give yourself grace through learning this and really practicing it because it's not going to be habit right off the bat. This isn't going to be, you're going to automatically think to do this right off the bat. And that's okay. I, I knew that when I started to, um, you know, I would see myself getting worked up and I'd react and I, you know, and I would start getting loud and, you know, Charlotte at a point was just like, stop doing that. Stop yelling at me. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm teaching her to yell. Right. And yeah. she's actually pointing it out to me. Yeah. And, Isn't that crazy? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, thank God that she did because I was like, wait, okay, slow down, Kate. Like, I don't want to be that, that, that mom. Um, but what I had to remember is to give myself grace and that I may still get worked up. I may still respond in a, or react in a way that I, that I don't want to react. Um, but then, but once you recognize the old behavior you want to get rid of, then stop and pause and breathe and say, you know, and anchor your anger yourself. So, and then it, it, it will slowly start to become habit. So just give yourself grace through it as you're making this a habit. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's okay. You know, nothing in life happens overnight. Right. It's really funny because in our society, because of the internet and cell phones, because we're not really carrying around a phone, we're carrying around, you know, a computer in our pocket. Oh, yeah. I'll just set the timer to make sure I go, you know, do what I'm supposed to do at this time. Oh, I'll just check out the weather and see. I mean, it's not a phone. I, it's, I mean, yeah. it has a phone function, but it's actually a pocket computer, literally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, 100%. we're we're so used to getting the you know immediate feedback or progress or or whatever that we want and sometimes you know it takes a while to form a habit right but but the benefits of doing something like this are so amazing in all in the people we work with with our kids and even ourselves because it starts helping us build confidence because we feel more in control yeah. and we start enjoying our kids more because mm -hmm. we realize you know, and for, for me, you know, we talk about how, where those feelings came from or whatever. And once you know where the feelings come from, you can say, oh, there it is again. You know, when you get that feeling, there it is again, because you realize that it doesn't really have much to do with your kids. It has more to do with whatever, you know, whatever is in your background. And right. like you say, no matter how small or how big. So, and it does take time. 
Yeah. And, but I think parents, we need to give ourselves grace anyway, because I think a lot of times we're in this mode of if we were bigger, stronger, faster, or more intelligent, we would do this differently. And, but we're doing the best we can, right? We're human yeah. beings and we're not going to be perfect. And we're not nice to perfect people anyway. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> good point. There's no, I mean, there really is no such thing as perfect. You know, no. I mean, we're, we, we all have some, flaw of some kind it's different for everyone and you know this idea that things are going to be so perfect and we're going to have these ideal days every day like it's just it's just not realistic and uh and it's okay to allow your kids to be their own individuals of how they you know like things or how they might want to do something it's okay that it's different from you and i think sometimes parents get really hung up on and, and i've caught myself doing it too like you know, I get hung up on like, oh, no, no, it should be done this way. It's like, well, but if she wants to do it a different way, like, that's okay. It doesn't, you know, the idea is really just getting down the basics. Like, it's time to brush your teeth. We're still going to brush your teeth. We could do it this way or this way, you know, and either way is fine. I would do it, you know, the first way, but she could do it the second way and teeth are still going to be brushed and it's all good. So, right. <laughs> you know, I think, right. I think we just need to, you know, understand that our kids are individuals. They've got uniqueness as well. They're not supposed to be, you know, a spitting image of their parents um, and, and to, and to celebrate that, right. To just acknowledge it and celebrate it rather than thinking that it's, it's a bad thing. You know, we've kind of talked a little bit about this um, in these examples, but I am curious, like, if there's some specifics of, like, what are some of those big, like, parenting mistakes that you see? Like, what parents are doing that you're like, ah, like, I wish they wouldn't do that because it's really not setting the kids up for, for best success. Do you have some of those examples? Well, one of them I like to give parents, they say, you know, so... The number one thing we can do with our kids to raise successful adults, as proven by two longitudinal studies, like over decades of and in multiple countries, is two-way conversations with your kids. But we have two ears and one mouth, <laughs> right? We need to listen twice as much as we talk. And I think one of the things that we do is we try to talk to our kids and over-explain and and what really works, or we say, how are you doing? Because we know it's important to talk to them or how was your day? And they say, fine, and they walk away. But the, but the thing is, is if we can avoid the impulse to ask questions and tell them what we notice, they'll just start talking. And that works with kids Charlotte's age all the way through kids in middle school and high school and everything in between. So right. if you if you see your child and you just say, hey, good to see you, you give them a great a bright greeting when you see them, like when you pick them up for preschool or, you know, you see them when they walk in the door for middle school or whatever. And you just say, hey, great to see you. Huh. You look thoughtful or you look upset or whatever you see on their faces and then just be quiet. And this does a couple of things. The first thing it does is it helps kids identify what their emotions are from a, from a very young age, because if they can identify what their emotions are, especially if we're teaching them the breathing thing, then they learn kind of in an automatic, painless, relaxed way about self-regulation. 
and mm. about emotional control. And, and it's really important. Emotional quotient is so important in just getting along with other people, especially in our service society now where we produce much less and we provide way more services. So if we can learn emotional control, that helps us develop social skills. If we listen to our kids, they learn to listen as well. So if we say to them, wow, you look really thoughtful or you look excited or whatever they look like, they know what you're referring to. And even if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. They'll explain to you what's on their face. Right. But if but if you're quiet and you leave a gap there, they feel compelled. It's a human thing to do to feel feel compelled to respond to something like that. Oh, you look this or this way. I mean, in a kind, kind way, obviously. Right. And they'll, and they'll explain it. They'll explain what they're feeling. And if they're having a problem, you'd be amazed how they'll just start explaining. And then when they're explaining, if they have a problem, they'll kind of, you know, and you're just kind of going, Oh, uh-huh. Hmm. You know, and you're just showing that you're listening that a lot of times they'll work through their own problem and come up with a solution. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I catch myself still like, oh, how was your day? Good, fine. You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, no, don't. And, you know, and it's you're right. The more you can share with what you're noticing, uh, and especially if you continue like, again, repetition, right? We know how important repetition is. Um, even if it's not necessarily so much in the beginning, but I, I find that the more I can at, or uh, share what I'm noticing, uh, they, they tend to talk more. And that actually goes, you know, Charlotte's three, three, three and a half now. Um, and Emma, my stepdaughter is, um, uh, just turning 11. And even though I don't have the same, quite the same dynamic with her versus, you know, to, to Charlotte, and different ages, like she still will open up more to me, you know, my stepdaughter and, and, and when I've recognized that, or, um, you know, and you, you share this in your courses, like how to, you know, pay attention to what your perception is of what's happening. Right. Because when we can, when we can say, Hey, this is what I'm noticing, you know, is that right? You know, is it something else? Like then, then they feel more willing to open up. Um, and the more we can practice that, the more they're going to open up more and they're going to dive in, you know, and, and share more. And it's been, yeah, it's been very helpful in our household for sure. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times our perceptions, the things that we think, and we just assume they're right. And when we tell them what we notice or what they're thinking, and then we're just quiet and let them talk, a lot of times it comes out completely different than what we thought it was. Yeah. Because, and, and humans are like this. We tend to think, you know, we get pieces of information, we make a decision about it. And then, you know, we just think that that's the way it is. Just like those beliefs that we create as a result of experiences when, you know, something happens we make a decision about what happens. So it's not whatever the experience was, it was the decision that we made about that experience that caused whatever turmoil that has, you know, progressed after that. And, yeah. and it's just interesting that when you are just, when you just tell kids what you notice, the other really cool thing about telling kids what you notice is it makes them feel seen. And remember mm. our brain's have to feel safe or we can't think because we get stuck in the limbic system because our brain is going to try to protect us. So if we can tell kids what we notice about them, it makes them feel seen and secure. 
because it's important to them to know that they're seen by whoever their caregivers are and especially the most important people in their lives. So if we create that sense of security by making them feel seen and important, then it just creates such mental health. I mean, there are actually studies that show that parents who do this, it's it's just great for kids' mental health, for them to feel seen and listened to. And this is a, because mental health is so huge right now. Um, and think that the mental health issues that we're going through currently could have been corrected 10, 20, 30 years ago with just these small small things that we could have implemented within our families to change the trajectory of how our generations are are growing up. So like start today, right? Just say, okay, I'm going to choose to do practice and practice just one new thing, you know, that you've heard today to say, okay, I'm going to help change the trajectory of how the next generation is going to be. And it's, and, and the reality is, is these are things that we can do that are natural to help mental health. Like we don't, it doesn't always need to, to resort to popping a pill and and things like that. Like we can actually or years of therapy. Therapy. We, can, we right. can just tell our kids what we notice and listen and listen to them. I mean, right. just doing that one thing and breathing when we get upset, when we get that physical sensation, just breathing, f- thinking of a physical anchor to bring us into the here and now into the thinking areas of our brain. So inhale, exhale, think of our feet or whatever we chose to think about and say, I can do this and take a couple more deep breaths, you're only taking out a few seconds of time. You know, people will feel like they're so harried and rushed. It's only a few seconds. And then to say, and then to say to your kids what you notice instead of, you know, instead of how are you doing? And that works even when your kids are agitated, just stopping what you're doing and saying, wow, you look really upset and just being quiet and letting them talk. A lot of times they'll work it out. So instead of the voices going up and getting louder and louder and people yelling at each other and just the whole thing escalates and (laughs) blows up. Yeah. Right. That, that doesn't work. And it's so, but we're the adults. So we have to be the ones to stop and take a deep breath and then just tell kids what we notice. Cause when we ask them a question, a lot of times they feel on the spot or like we're blaming them. Whereas the if other, we just go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say the other thing, as you were talking, I was thinking how like I've actually now done certain things where I've, I've paused and I've breathed in front of Charlotte when she, you know, she's having her moment or whatever. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm breathing. I, w- I don't want to get upset with you. You know, like, I don't want to yell. Like I tell her what's actually what, what I'm doing and why. And then she's like, oh, and you, I mean, she's just like, sometimes I'll just say things and she's like, oh, oh, you know, like, and then moves on. But I'm teaching her what I'm doing in the moment so that she knows like, well, what's happening and why I don't want to do it this, you know, I don't want this to happen. I want this instead to happen. So, you know, it's, it's okay, right. It's okay to, to, to let your kids know like why you're taking some big deep breaths and you're saying, you know, this affirmation statement out loud, like who cares, you know, this is again, a teachable moment for them. Um, and you know, what's going to be really exciting, Kate, cause you just, we talked about that recently and you just started doing this recently. What, yeah. what you're going to have to like leave a message for me or call me or something and <laughs> let me know, because what you're going to see is eventually Charlotte's going to be annoyed with you Yeah, and you're going to watch her 
take a deep breath and you're going to, and, and she's, and she won't know the whole sequence unless you go through the actual steps with her. And you may not want to do that at three, but you'll notice her taking a big deep breath and you'll go, wow, that's awesome. Because she's already learning how to manage her emotions. Not that we're pressing those emotions down. We're acknowledging those emotions and dealing with them. Right. I mean, there's a big difference between pushing your emotions down and acknowledging what those emotions are and dealing with them. Right. And and the other thing that will be even cooler is you'll start getting upset and she'll say, take a deep breath, mommy. I mean, mean, I've even heard from some moms where they, you know, whatever their their uh, thing is of how they, you know, make sure that they're not in that yelling, reactive state and stuff. And so I, I. recently had an interview with, with a mom where she, uh, she, she did some of these things and she like, you know, closing her eyes and breathing. And she's like, Oh, and she says now her kids who are a little bit older, they're more like pre preteen. But, um, but she was like, they, they all now kind of joke like, Oh, there's mom. Try not to get mad. You know, like things like, (laughs) right. So like these kids are learning and they're recognizing what, what works. And it's just, it's just a matter of saying, okay, I'm going to commit to this. And I'm going to keep working on it. And for, for my, for my sake, for my, my children's sake, for our family, um, and just keep practicing it, you know, um, as, as we, as we wrap up, there's, gosh, we're going to have to have like a part two or something because there's so much that we can, we can dive in. And I, I feel like I have so many things that I want to keep asking you, but what would you say, um, for the parents, because you have, um, you know, the ADHD and, and, you know, various, you know, challenges in that regards. And, um, and we also now have that in our household. Uh, Tanner had been undiagnosed for pretty much his whole adult life that we realized, oh, okay, so now he's diagnosed. We know where, you know, Charlotte gets it from. Uh, David's is still a little early, not quite sure that Emma has it, but she's got some other things going on. So what are just some, some basic things that you can help parents remember? Because I don't have an ADHD brain. So when I'm dealing with Charlotte, sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, why doesn't she just don't, you know, and I get so frustrated and I see that like my frustration is definitely something she's learning. So I'm working at toning my frustration down so that she doesn't get frustrated and learn that behavior. Um, However, I also want to be the parent who knows how to give what, what she needs in order to get what needs to be done accomplished. You know, if it's putting PJs on or, you know, cleaning up toys, like things like that. So I know we've got people, you know, our audience has those type of special challenges. What's the advice to give them on how to approach that? Oh gosh. So there are a lot of things. The first thing I would say is Look at and and talk to your child about what their strengths are. For example, kids who have attention issues, a lot of the reason they have attention issues is because they are super observant. So what happens is they'll they'll click into something that they're observing some detail about and they'll completely lose focus. You know, maybe they were supposed to be picking up their toys, but all of a sudden they notice this nuance about one of their toys and they stop cleaning up their toys because all of a sudden they're absorbed and and kids who have quote unquote attention issues they also have this thing called hyperfocus like i said it's not that their brains are deficient or you know there's something wrong with them our brains physically work differently right <laughs> 
right? right. So yeah. what happens is they get distracted by something else that that pulls in their attention. So it's not that they have a deficit on one thing. It's that they were thinking of one thing and something else took precedence over what they were already thinking about. Yeah. And if you can just notice that your child isn't not cleaning up the room because they're being, you know, because they're being defiant or whatever, a lot of times they've just gotten distracted doing something else and, and you can bring them back. So one of the things I tell parents to do that, that works with all kids in my experience, because I've worked with hundreds of kids, um, but it particularly with kids who have attention issues is, for example, if my if so, for example, if my daughter's room was a mess, my my younger daughter, <laughs> my younger daughter. Oh, my gosh. Her room would smell bad after a while. And we, yeah. we had to do some several sit down, problem solving, work it out, come up with procedures you know, working that and then it, it would work well for a while and then it would wane. But what I would say is I'd walk in there and go, hmm, this room smells a little rank again here, honey. <laughs> and usually that's all I would have to say is just make an observation. There's that observation thing again. If I'm asking a question, do you smell something in here? Then she would feel like I was putting her on the spot and blaming her. And my husband has this great saying, I don't know where he got it. I'm sure somebody else said it first, but we said it in our family all the time and it was fix the problem, not the blame. Mm -hmm. And and it really worked for us because whenever somebody would start you know, in on somebody else or blaming someone else, he would just stop it right there and say, fix the problem, not the blame. And so we really got to, I, I would say for kids with attention issues, if you just tell them what you see, I see clothes, I see toys that are still all over the floor. And a lot of times they'll be like, oh yeah. And they'll just start picking them up because they've just gotten distracted. Yeah. Whereas if you're just like, you were supposed to pick up the clothes, you know, the toys on your floor. It's time to get ready for bed, blah, 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 blah. And you go into all that and then it riles them up. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you just say, I still see toys on the floor. I like how, how this one and this one and this one is put away. That's a great start. And then usually they'll just finish it on their own. Yeah. And then when you thank them for finishing it, wow, thanks. Your room looks great. Then then they get that dopamine reward. They get that positive hormone reward, the happy hormone that makes them feel happy for an accomplishment. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's such a great start. Yeah. Right. So you just say, I still see clothes. I still see toys on the floor. And then they go to pick them up, but this one and this one are put away. That's a great start. So you, so you give them the positive thing because kids who have attention issues, the outside world is not very kind to them. I mean, right. because their brains do work differently. And if you don't really understand how brains work when they have attention issues, you, it's really easy for the outside world to be impatient. So our job as parents is to figure out what works for that for our kids because they need us. We're their safety net. Yeah. So if we can look at, okay, this is the positive thing you did so far, then usually they, they want to do the rest because they want the acknowledgement. And we give them the acknowledgement when they're done, even if they shouldn't have had to be reminded, it doesn't matter. Like my husband still thanks me for doing the laundry. That's one of the reasons I still like him after all these years. <laughs> you know, 
am I supposed to do the laundry? Is that one of my quote unquote jobs in the house? Cause we can't both be expected to do everything. Cause otherwise certain things get done twice and other things get left undone. Right. 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 So, so we each have different things that we do in the house. He knows I don't love doing laundry. <laughs> and I swear every week he goes, wow, I love going into my drawers and having all these clean clothes. This is so awesome. You know, just little things like that to acknowledge the person who do, does something. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take a lot of time and it makes everyone feel better. And it's the same way with your kids. Yeah. Acknowledge the little things they have done and just tell them what you notice. Yeah. And I just, if, if the parents who are listening just do that one thing when their kids, any kids, but particularly if you have kids who have attention issues or, you know, they're wiggly or whatever, and you do that, you'll notice just huge changes in their behavior and, and a lot more self-regulation. Oh, I love it. And it's, I mean, just to know that, that when we're, when we're in the moment, there's so much that we're like we're just trying to process, right? Like there's just so much, oh my gosh, the house is loud and this one kid's doing this and this and then, and then the dog's jumping and da, da, da. like you're, you're like all over the place. And when you can be like, oh, but just one small, simple 10 second thing that I can do could actually change how this plays out. And, and, and that's what, what we need as parents. Like we don't want to feel like there's just another thing and more work and another thing I have to listen to and da, da, da. And like, it just, we, we want, we want those, we want those solutions, um, to just be, uh, kind of like simple and easy to remember to implement. Right. So we've got, we've got a few here that we, we talked through. Um, so, so helpful. Trish, we're going to have you back for sure, because, um, there's, there's just so much and that continues to evolve. And, and, as we continue to hear from our audience and their needs and um, maybe some, some things that we, we didn't hit on today that we can come back and, and um, address for them. We want to be able to be that resource for, for these parents here um, on our podcast. So Trish, thank you so much. Uh, how can um, everyone find you? I know you've got courses and things like that. So just share that info. Just go to thebrainstages.com. There's a lot of free things on there as well as there. Um, I have a course on how to problem solve with your family right now that has, a, you know, that is usually $19 that I'm about to raise to $49. But right now you can get it for free with a code. Yeah. <laughs> so just go to thebrainstages.com and a little bar will come down and you can get that problem solving thing for free. And it's super si simple, doesn't take a lot of time. It's like these other things we've been talking about on the podcast, Great. because I believe in easy, easy, because yeah. really, I believe every parent can raise successful kids in this complicated, competitive world with the right techniques and tools. And and the, and the techniques and tools are simple. And we've just learned so much in the last couple of decades because there has been so many advances in brain research. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to keep uh, this, this topic and this door open because like you said, things continue to evolve and we learn new information and new tactics. And, um, and this is what we want because we, as parents, we want to raise successful children, confident, grounded, you know, and just, just, you know, kids that just want to go out and, and 
and be uniquely beautiful themselves. So uh, these are just those small things that we can implement into, into our family. So Trish, thank you so much for being here. We'll have all those links uh, set up in the show notes for anyone to go back and, and uh, access and uh, we'll have you back. Thanks again. Okay, well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Always good to talk to you, Kate. <laughs> Likewise. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Family OS Podcast. We have a special gift that we'd love to give you. Text us the word POD, P-O-D, to 720-459-4219, and we'll text you back. Until next time.